Today on Stick to Football, we're breaking down the Pac-12. You got the Utes, the Huskies, the Trees, the Ducks. I mean, they got some good mascots out there in the Pac-12. We're also going to talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys. Guys, one thing, though. I refuse to talk about Tom Brady selling his house. I don't want to do it. I didn't even know that was a thing. Are well, people talking it. about it on, on He put Twitter? his house on the market for $39.5 million. To me. Oh, okay. Tom Brady put his house... <laughs> we're talking about it. Tom Brady put his house on the market today for $39.5 million. And, and people are like freaking out. So they're like, what does this house look like that it right? costs that Here's much the money? Thing. Tommy can afford a loft to stay in Boston while Giselle and the little... Beauty babies say, like, what go is, somewhere else. Are they divorcing? Is this the no, no? They're just they have other homes that right. in New they York. probably have like seven. They have houses. multiple homes. Oh, they're looking in New Jersey. I hey, wonder oh, if Tom will be my new neighbor. Probably. I, be... I've seen your mansion. I, I bet that he would love to just right. your rooftop. <laughs> yeah, I can see mansion. Tom on that rooftop. <laughs> that is true. That would be pretty fun. Okay. Man, well, imagine I said, selling a house for thirty nine and a half million. My house what is also the on fuck? the market for about thirty nine million less than that. If anybody <laughs> wants to move to Joplin, so <laughs> it's a deal. It is a steal right now. I'll throw in the ghost and Emmett if you want to buy my house. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Tom Brady and all the Patriot fans are safe. If they were freaking out, like, oh, is he moving on? Is he going somewhere else? I don't think so. Yeah, I think the listing okay. is hilarious. It in the listing it includes that it has an organic vegetable and herb garden and that the barn inspired detached guest house has its own yoga studio and walls that open up to provide a zen like experience. What kind of person in Boston is buying this house? I've been to Boston one time. I didn't see many people in the market for Rolling that house. in the 40s. Uh, no. I did see a house in Joplin that's for sale that has a gun range in it. And it was like, I mean, I can see the practicality of that. So things like this do happen. I think Tom is safe. I think the Patriots are safe. Uh, how about the Cowboys, though? It comes out. Uh, there are so many different reports right now. And I didn't realize how many Cowboy beat writers I follow on Twitter. But I think all of them. Well, there's like half a million of them. Right. You have ESPN, Justina Anderson, who's not a beat writer. But she's reporting that Zeke's agent has told the Cowboys he will hold out without a new deal. You have Calvin Watkins, uh, who is a beat writer, saying that the Cowboys have made generous offers to all three players. I actually don't know what is going on. I don't know which one is true. Obviously, different things are being leaked to different people. But if they have made generous offers to all three players, I think that's a really good sign of, hey, we want to keep this new version of the triplets together. We're making you a fair market offers. And here's the thing. Zeke is arguably the best running back in football. Dak is not a top five quarterback. Coop is not a top five receiver. I, Dak's not a top 10 quarterback. Coop probably is neither a yeah. top 10 receiver. So you got to be realistic about your expectations. Yeah, and I do think that Jerry Jones, he wants to get this done. He values those guys, so he wants them to be there and to be there for a very long time. So I think that he's going to throw some pretty good offers their way and see what happens. And maybe during the season, maybe even before it starts, I think all three of these guys get locked up. I think the trickle effect in all this is, are, are they going to be able to get a deal done with guys like Jalen Smith after yeah. this? Or does he just get slapped with the franchise tag at the linebacker price? Which, thanks to C.J. Mosley, is going up a lot now. But it's interesting. I don't know what the generous offer can mean a lot of things. I don't think Zeke is going to take anything less than being the highest paid running back. What the, the problem with the Cowboys triplets, and I want to know if you guys uh, disagree with me here, is 
Dak and Coop are in such a gray area of what they should be paid. Like, Zeke could sit there and be like, I should be the, the highest paid running back. And you go, okay, you yeah, should. Probably, yeah. You don't, I don't think that's the case with Dak and Coop. Not even close. And I think Amari's great. He's not even close to, like, Julio. Yeah, or Michael just, Thomas, who just got Michael paid. Thomas. Uh, and Dak is, like, a whole nother question mark where I think it's really difficult for both sides. I really do, but you got to get Zeke back. So you'd think that at some point this thing gets done this summer. I don't know about soon, but this summer. I would think so, too. You can't. I know people say, well, he's just a running back. You're an it idiot if you no. think that because he's not just a running back in that offense. Yeah, I think he he's probably the, the most offense. important person on that offense if you really want to make it go just because you you haven't seen Dak really perform without him and Cooper's going to be great with him too but I mean I would be trying to keep all three of those guys together if I'm Jerry Jones yeah yeah I mean it, it will be fascinating also hard knocks started last night as you're listening to it was it. great it's, too yeah right uh with John Gruden and and all those other guys I can't believe <laughs> if like the 22 minute mark it just nuts wow that's all I want to wow. say no spoilers but wow for people who don't 22 get it, minutes. we record yeah, this show minutes. Tuesday morning, so we haven't seen it yet. It's okay. I've, I know people. Yeah. I we're, <laughs> we're idiots. It's time to preview the Pac-12. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, let's look at the Pac-12. That's who we're breaking down today. And, you know, we've had so many of these conversations over the last several weeks and last several shows of, uh, this is a two-team conference. It's a two-team conference. Not today, fellas, because the Pac-12 North is absolutely loaded and the Pac-12 South is pretty damn good as well. Let's start with the North, the Kings of the North. None of us agree on who to take here. And I'm going to start because I, I love felt that like about this one. I do too. I felt like I went controversial. Think about it, last year Washington State went like 11 and 2 under Mike Leach. They are going to have to replace a ton of people. You got Oregon up there, Stanford up there. I'm going to take my dude Chris Peterson and the Washington Huskies. Yes, they're replacing a ton on this team, but they bring back a left tackle who was injured for much of last year. Yes, Caleb McGarry's gone on the right side, but I actually think that Jacob Eason is a good enough quarterback prospect that we're going to see this offense opened up a lot more than we saw last year when they basically had Kellen Moore 2.0. Yeah, I'm excited about what Washington can do this year too, but I am going to disagree with you on the Pac-12 North, I really like this Oregon team. I really think that they're going to get things going this year. Another year with Cristobal. Uh, you saw what he did last year. I thought he was pretty impressive uh, in the Pac-12. They went 9-4, and four, which I think is a pretty damn good year. And the great thing about them going 9-4 and four last year is they return almost every damn starter that they have. They have so much experience throughout this entire roster that it's really hard to even list how many returning starters they have at Oregon because they had one of their guys get injured last year on the offensive line. So they actually have six returning offensive linemen that have starting capabilities. They have two running backs that have had seen time starting. They return their tight end. They return their receivers. And they also bring in Jawan Johnson from Penn State, who is another guy that started. This is just his first He's year. He's a good receiver. Exactly. He really He's is. a big target for Justin Herbert. So I, I really like Oregon, and I think they run away with the North. This is fun here, guys, because this is the first conference preview, and it's the last one of the Power Five, that – we don't agree across the board. We usually either agree across the board or there might be one different pick. Yeah. And this time, Matt takes Washington. Mello takes Oregon. 
I'm taking Stanford here, and I think these teams are really closely grouped together here in the North. I believe in Stanford because they have one of the better senior quarterbacks in the country, and I guess you could say the same for Oregon with Justin Herbert, but I like Costello. I like the coaching staff led by Shaw. I think this is one of the more underrated teams in the country at replacing starting level players. They always seem to recruit pretty well, but develop absolutely phenomenally. They're so good at developing talent, running their system. At Costello, we, you know, I said it earlier, but 29 touchdowns, 11 picks, a really phenomenal season that he can build on. Should be a senior bowl guy. So I think this is going to be possibly the most competitive division in a conference that we'll see this college football season. Now, guys, in the South, it is not as competitive, in my opinion. No. I know everybody wants to talk about how USC's got this new offense. BFD, I actually really don't care. Uh, Arizona, I don't think they're close yet with Kevin Sumlin. I think Arizona State, and we're going to talk about this later, I think Arizona State is being way overhyped. I just do not believe in Herm Edwards at all. I think Utah in this defense with Kyle Whittingham as head coach, Utah is going to wreck some MFers in the South. I actually, and never mind, I almost spoiled it. We'll get to who I think wins the conference. Utah is going to be very good. Don't sleep on this team just because they're not in California or on the coast in the Pac-12. They have some elite defenders. Yeah, and I agree with you, too. I, I've been talking about Utah for a very long time now. I really think that this is their conference, especially in the South. When you look at what these other teams are doing, I don't know that anybody's ready to compete with this defense and what they're returning. I, I mean, you look at that defensive line, I think it's one of the best in the nation. You look at their secondary, I think it's also one of the best in the nation. They return their quarterback. They return Zach Moss at running back. Uh, this, there's just talent all over the field. They return their top receivers. This is a team that's just set up to be be good this year. I think they're going to have a very good season, not just like Pac-12, oh, Utah, they were competitive, they had a good year. I think they're going to be a just very tough to handle in the Pac-12, the entire Pac-12. With you guys all the way, Mello covered the offense there. Obviously, Matt gushed about this team. I look at the defense. It is unbelievable how many starting level players and seniors are going to be on this defense. The same could be said for the offense at times, too. I know the offensive line is going to be young. But this defense across the board, they're like that college basketball team where they might not have all these NBA kind of top 10 picks on the team, but they have guys that have been there for so long that are veteran older players and and one guy Julian Blackman there was a lot of teams that were super high on him as a corner coming into last season NFL teams that were high on him he had his ups and downs but he's been still been a second team uh, Pac-12 player two years in a row now he's moving to safety because they have so much veteran talent at cornerback where I think he fits better as a safety a ball hawking kind of free safety this defense is loaded the front seven can get after the quarterback stop the run they're going to take away the football I love Utah here and I know we're going to talk about it right now I like Utah in this conference overall yeah Yeah. sorry go ahead Mel I'm I'm totally excited for the youth with you this you mentioned how they had the number two defense and all the guys that they're returning I really like the Pac-12 North I like Washington Oregon and Stanford the three teams that we picked I think this is just Utah's year. You you talk about college foot, basketball, Connor. You're right. They're just loaded with upperclassmen at every single position group. This is their year. I really think they run away with the Pac-12 conference. And and not only you guys, if we've gushed about the talent, it's not only that, it's Kyle Whittingham as head coach. I think he's one of the most underrated head coaches in all of college football. 
I think he's one of the best head coaches in college football. What he brings in terms of energy, um, the culture there, the accountability. This is a well-coached, upperclassman-dominated team. So whether it's whomever comes out of a very strong north, and they're probably going to beat the hell out of each other this season, I just can't see anyone scoring enough on this Utah defense to give them a run, especially when you have Zach Moss at running back. We're going to talk about him in a second. That dude is talented. How about teams on the come up? Obviously, there are the clubs that are dominating. You got a lot of like old school blue blood football programs in the Pac-12 with your Stanford, USC, I guess you could say UCLA. But when I look at teams that are improving, I really like what Arizona, the Wildcats, can bring to the table. I think Kevin Sumlin, um, you know, I don't know that he handled AM the best way, but I think this is where he can be really good. Someone where there aren't huge expectations. Now, we have to see Khalil Tate and JJ Taylor just take off this year. Khalil Tate was the most disappointing college football player in the 2018 season with Bryce Love right behind him. He has to bounce back in a big way this year. Yeah, and hopefully he does get healthy. And I'll tell you one thing, Arizona will beat Arizona State this year. I'm going with my team on the come up. It's going to sound crazy because they are a college football blue blood. USC is going to absolutely suck this year. I don't even know if they have (laughs) a winning season. I think they are really going to be terrible. And then next year, we're going to see Urban Meyer take this job. And anytime he takes over a program, you know that they are on the come up. And so we're just waiting. If you're a USC fan, you're waiting for Urban Meyer. I would say early Christmas present for you guys is going to be Urban Meyer takes that job. There's there's no way he's sitting out for very long. He's going to turn this program around. So be patient. Last year, Clay Helton before you get Urban Meyer. That would be uh, pretty fun for college football. And I don't even know if it would be surprising anymore with how Urban Meyer operates at a big program to big program. I went with UCLA here. I got to see them last year against Arizona. And while both of those teams were obviously not the most talented in the conference last year, it was still cool to see some of their young players. And I think they have the right players for that system now in offense, whether it's the quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson, Josh Kelly's a really underrated running back. I mean, he really, really is. They have a potential superstar at cornerback in Darnay Holmes. So UCLA, they're not going to be, you know, in first place in, in their division or even second or probably not even third, but they're slowly improving. And I think the offensive production will start to head in the right direction. Yeah, let's talk about teams now that are overrated. I actually would have picked USC, but I, I just think they're so bad that like no, one should, them. <laughs> no one should overrate them. I'm going with Arizona State and I mentioned it. Guys, I don't believe in Herm Edwards. I just really don't. And they do have some talent. They really do. I mean, this is an upperclassman offensive line. They should be pretty good. Eno Benjamin, the junior running back, has talent. I I just don't see it with this team. I really, truly don't. I always thought Herm was not a good fit as a head coach. Well, they, they went six and six last year. Seven and five. Seven and five last year. I forgot my notebook. I'm going off memory on some of these numbers today uh, because I don't have Google right in front of me. Uh, I just don't think that Herm is going to get this team over the top. I know they're being picked by some in the media to finish like second in the South. I just can't see it. Yeah, I'm with you. They do have to replace their quarterback in the all-world wide receiver in Nikhil Harry, so it's going to be tough. I'm going to go with Stanford this year for my overrated team, and and I say that as a guy that really likes this program, so please don't attack me like some of these NFL fan bases have, but I, I think they're replacing a lot on this offense. They're really returning 
three guys, one of them being the quarterback, the left tackle, which is very important, and a tight end. And Connor said it already. They are very good about replacing these guys that leave and that leave early. I I do think they're going to be a good team. I do think that they're going to compete for the North. I just don't think it's going to be their year. I'm I'm saying more of like a an eight and four type of year. They're going to be good, but I, they lost a lot on that offense. So I don't know if they're going to replace it too easily. I went with USC here, as I said earlier. I just look at them and uh, they're not very good. Maybe I'm actually in the wrong here because maybe they're not overrated, but I think the USC brand gets bought into so often where it's like, oh, well, they're USC, so it's going to turn around. And I'm I'm just not a believer like the both of you said. I, I look at individuals here. They have two very good wide receivers and Tyler Vaughn's Michael Pittman Running back, Stephen Carr is supposed to be a very good player, and you could see the talent, but he can't stay healthy and be that workhorse back. We'll see what we get from JT Daniels. I don't know about this defense. I'll tell you one guy, because I actually got to see him in high school on a trip out there. He's Warren G's son, Elijah Griffin, but he's only a sophomore. This kid is an absolute baller, an absolute baller. So there are exciting pieces here, but this isn't going to necessarily be a winning football team right now for the Trojans. There are a lot of good players in the Pac-12. I think two guys who we're going to be talking about is maybe top five or six prospects when it comes to the 2020 NFL draft. But winning the Heisman Trophy doesn't always mean you're a great draft prospect, even though the last couple were. Now, Heisman hopefuls from the Pac-12 I think it has to start with Justin Herbert. The only issue is I don't know if Oregon will be good enough to get him the trophy. I think the numbers will be. I think the profile, the hype on him headed into the season, that that will all benefit him. But we have not seen a Pac-12 player really dominate the Heisman landscape since Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart were at USC. So it's I think it's hard for those guys on the West Coast to win. I don't know if Oregon will, will win enough ball games for Herbert to be in the conversation, but he is, in my opinion, at least the best college football player in the Pac-12. It's like a Joey Harrington thing all over again. I agree with you. I would disagree. I think they're going to be good enough because I picked him to win the North. I just don't know if he'll have the numbers to do it. And that's why I'm going with one of my favorite receivers in this class. He's the number two receiver right now for me. LaViscus Chenault out of Colorado. If I have to pick somebody that's not Justin Herbert because we all know quarterbacks win this award. I really like what he can do. He reminds me a lot of a Sammy Watkins type guy, like a good athlete, but he's also thick. 6'2", 220. He gets involved with the special teams. Uh, he's a wildcat quarterback sometimes. He, he takes snaps out of the backfield at running back. They put him all over the field I think they're really going to hone in on his skills and what he can do on the field this year. I, I really like what he's going to do. I think Mel Tucker and that that new coaching staff is going to get things going with Colorado. And I think if you want to do that, you better get LaVisca Shane off the ball. I remember last year, Melo, when you had him as a $100 handshake player on a couple oh, yeah. of Mondays before. I mean, that's how long you've liked this player. And I forgot about you go that back segment. and see that film. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got to bring it back. Yeah, I mean, we do. <laughs> man, he is very, very impressive. I would like to see him stay healthy and be one of the exactly. best all around offensive players in the country. I went with J.J. Taylor here. He is a small running back at five, six. He's listed at one eighty five. I don't think he plays 185. He had over fourteen hundred yards on the ground last year. I guess when you play for Arizona, you don't get the appreciation that other 
other star running backs do. But, man, a really impressive season for him. It's crazy when you look at how light he is and how small he is overall. Uh, There's a lot of games where he gets the ball 25 to 40 times. So very impressive. I'm fascinated to see how the NFL evaluates this player. I I really am. I think he'll be senior ball eligible. So hopefully he gets that opportunity to go to Mobile and show the, uh, the electric playmaking ability that he has for Arizona so far. Guys, defense for Heisman in the Pac-12 is tough. I mean, we made fun of the Big 12. Uh, the Pac-12 oh, might brutal. actually be worse. But I'm going to take a very athletic senior linebacker from Oregon, Troy Dye, number 35. Uh, just a good all-around player. He had 115 total tackles last year, two sacks, one pick, a forced fumble. And he's been so incredibly productive there. You might be like, God, Troy Dye's still in college? He is. He will be a fourth-year starter this year who has already over 300 tackles in college. So just incredible production. So if you were going to give like a a career recognition defense for Heisman, it would go to Troy Dye. Yeah, I'm going to kind of stay with that too because I'm going to take two defensive linemen. I've talked about Utah a lot. I really love their defensive tackle, Lakai Fotu, and their edge rusher, Bradley and I. These guys are both Pac-12 All-Americans already. Coming back for their senior year, you're going to have to pick one of them and really key on them, and that's going to free up the other guy. I think both of these guys are going to be hopefully down at the Senior Bowl when we get down there. So Jim Nagy, if you're listening hook a brother up and get my guys down there because they're very good. I'm 100% sure they're already on the senior bowls radar, but I really like these guys. So let's get a hashtag defense for Heisman going for these Utah players. I went with Paulson Adebo from Stanford. This has been the kind of the Stanford show for me. He might be one of the best cornerbacks in this class next year. And I know, Melo, you brought up that they might not have a ton of great players returning. They have a handful. Adebo is definitely one. You could see it on film, his ability and coverage, stride for stride with wide receivers. This is a tough conference for hashtag defense for Heisman. But if you're a Pac-12 uh, fan, I want you to prove us wrong. Use the hashtag, throw in anyone's name to be put into this pool for hashtag defense for Heisman this year. Yeah, no matter how late those games are played or if they switch and they play oh, them early we'll in the morning, you, you tag it hashtag defense for Heisman. If I'm not awake, I'll look for it Sunday morning. Man, if they play those 8 a.m. games, I'm going to be distraught. Can you imagine being a player and have to wake up at like 4 a.m. to go play a game on a Saturday? That's the thing. They're it's even worse for them because it's on the West Coast. That It's literally one of the dumbest ideas I've it, ever heard. It really is. I'm yeah. glad that a lot of the coaches have already come out and said that like this is dumb. This cannot happen. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to breakout players. I took a guy that Connor thinks has Heisman, at least in the Pac-12. J.J. Well, Taylor. Maybe. Right. <laughs> just, just, just a Pac-12 player. J.J. Taylor is incredibly explosive out of the backfield. Like you said, he's not the biggest dude. So as a draft prospect, we'll have to have different conversations. But as a college football player, he had over 1,500 yards from scrimmage last year, six touchdowns. I think we see a lot more scoring opportunities for him as Khalil Tate works back to being who he actually was in his freshman season. I think we see a lot more explosive plays for Taylor in this offense. Yeah, and I'm going to go with that running back position as well. And I'm going to take C.J. Verdell out of Oregon. They had two freshman running backs last year, but I think Verdell is going to take the bulk of the carries. He, he rushed for over 1,000 yards as a true freshman. And I mentioned before, they bring back six offensive linemen. This is the best offensive line group in the entire nation. And I don't think it's close. You also have a senior quarterback there. So you're going to get consistency in the passing game, which is going to open up things for the running game as well. I think that one of these guys, 
franchise at running back for Oregon is going to have a big year. And I think Verdell is the, the leading candidate to do so right now. I went with a household name here. I feel like I cheated it, but I, I took Jacob Beeson because we have not seen him really, really play in a couple of years now. I mean, he went down with that injury very earlier in that yep. season two years ago. They have to be so excited to get this guy in that program in Washington with the kind of arm he has. I mean, you talk about raw arm talent. It's freakish what he can do. I don't know if it'll translate into him being a great quarterback or even a great college quarterback, but shit, I want to find out very soon, and, and I would bet the house on Jacob Eason. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. Like, I mean, week one, we're going to get a, a shot to see what this guy can do. So, uh, all right, offensive players to scout. I got quarterbacks and running backs because Melo, actually, I am his favorite brother. So, quarterbacks, there are five y'all that are good. Like, they're, they're pretty good. Justin Herbert, obviously... I would call him the favorite of the quarterbacks to be picked first as of right now. Obviously, the season can change that. We'll see what Jacob Eason can be. I think if you watch him in practice or even in a game, you're going to be like, God damn, the tools are there. You know, like big arms. He's mobile. He's a good athlete. He's prototypical. I want to see the mental makeup for him because we really haven't seen him play in almost two years. It'll be interesting to talk to the staff there and kind of get a feel for what he's also like as a leader because I've heard some things there. But at Stanford, we have KJ Costello, who um, I'm intrigued by, at least, as a quarterback prospect. Uh, At Colorado, there's Steven Montez, another guy I think is intriguing. And then there's Khalil Tate at Arizona. We'll see exactly what he can become uh, under another year of that system with Kevin Sumlin. But Sumlin has a lot of... A lot of experience developing good quarterbacks. At running back, I think there's four dudes, and we've actually talked about all of them now, accidentally maybe. Eno Benjamin, Zach Moss, J.J. Taylor, and C.J. Verdell. C.J. is only a redshirt sophomore, but uh, I think these four running backs are all draft-worthy. Yeah, and uh, let's stay right there with Oregon since you mentioned Verdell. I've already said they have six offensive linemen that I really like, and five of them are seniors this year. So just go ahead and Google their depth chart. They've got a ton of them. Uh, Also, staying at tackle, this is actually a pretty damn good conference. Uh, Walker Little out of Stanford, I think, is a guy that could maybe even be the top tackle in the entire NFL draft this year out of Texas. Uh, Then Obviously went to Stanford. He's going to be good. Six, seven, three, twenty. The NFL is going to fall in love with him. And Trey Adams is a guy that's already been on our radar. We thought he might come out last year if it weren't for injuries. So him returning to Washington for another year, I think that he's another guy that could be a top tackle in this in this draft. Throckmorton out of Oregon. Uh, their other uh, tackle, Alilio. There's a lot of talent here at tackle in the Pac-12. And then there's also guys like Lemieux at Oregon at guard. There's a ton of centers. There's three of them, Hanson and and Harris at Washington. If you want to watch some good offensive line play, you're probably going to have to stay up late to do it. But the Pac-12 has a lot of guys that are going to be talked about, especially when we come around to the Senior Bowl. I was just going to say, now that we're sitting here doing the Pac-12 show, the talent pool on offense for this draft class seems absurd. Absolutely absurd. I mean, it's really exciting. That's a lot of players you guys just went through. I got the wide receivers, and I have a handful that I already have my eyes on here this summer. USC has two of them. So if you turn on the Trojans, you get a two-for-one special in Tyler Vaughn's and Michael Pittman. Pittman's a senior. I I keep saying it. I feel like the Senior Bowl class this year, assuming we don't get a lot of dropouts or declined invites, can be one of the most talented groups uh, that we've seen in a while, especially when you have some of those quarterbacks there. LaVisca Chenault, I mean, if Jerry Judy didn't exist, 
Uh, LaVisca Chenault might be the undisputed best wide receiver in this draft class that people would be talking about. It's just crazy when you have C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, Jerry Judy. If Chenault played for a better team, I think there'd be more focus on him because he has special, special traits. Juwan Johnson transfers from Penn State. That's a really big get for Justin Herbert. He needs a go-to target now that Dylan Mitchell has moved on to the NFL. As you've been saying on the show, the offensive line is looking very strong. Should give him the time. Should be pretty big numbers for Jawan Johnson, a dark horse wide receiver in this conference, because I've already asked around a couple teams. Khalil Tate might have to make a move. I'm I'm sorry. I hate doing the hey, this guy's not a quarterback. We didn't do it with Lamar Jackson. We were very honest that we're like he's going to get his shot. But every couple years you get a guy that if he wants to play at the next level, Braxton Miller, teams are going to ask you to move and teams are going to look at Khalil Tate and love his character makeup, the kind of football player he is, the kind of athleticism he has. It wouldn't shock me if that's his long-term future after college. Yeah. Some kind of offensive weapon, I think is probably what we see him become Uh defensive players to scout. This will be a quick segment. I was handed linebackers. Uh, there are a couple, I think Evan Weaver at Cal and Troy Dye at Oregon are definitely guys that, that stand out as draftable players. I think with Dye, like I, we are just going to have to see, you know, what he actually looks like on the field in terms of his ability to get outside the hashes and make tackles. But there, there absolutely is some talent there. Um, but it's just it's not a great conference for defensive play. Yeah, and I have the defensive line, so I'll agree with you. I already talked about Fotu at Utah. I think he's probably going to be the top defensive lineman in this group out of the Pac-12. But then there is also Mustafa Johnson at Colorado, Christian Rector at USC. I think they're going to be pretty good. And Bradley and I at the edge rusher position, he might be another one of those guys that's up there. But really after that, there's not a whole lot of guys on my radar right now. Obviously, that can change as the season goes on and people start to develop and you get coaching changes. So players kind of come out and but for right now, those are kind of the four guys that I'm looking at. Yeah, and you guys were very, very nice to me. You gave me the DB group here where there is a handful of names. We talked about Paulson and Debo from Stanford. Could be one of the best corners in this class. Darnay Holmes, obviously, we also talked about him. He could be a really, really good player for the long term here from UCLA. Utah. I mean, you could probably take the whole secondary, but we'll highlight Julian Blackman making the move to safety. Jalen Johnson will play corner. Uh, Thomas Graham in this conference. Elijah Molden. Washington kind of churns out corner after corner after corner. So a lot of eyes on him and then Chase Lucas. So this is a very talented defensive back group. I just don't know if they'll be in that premier category where, you know, obviously we did the Big Ten preview. There was a lot of corners in that conference. The SEC always has top corner talent. So it's going to be interesting if a guy like Adebo and the other handful of names I ripped off can get into that conversation. Guys, it is draft on draft time. Our good buddy, Ant the Oreo, he doesn't even have a question. He just says, say something about Paul Adebo, anything I don't care. Yeah, and I think we did cover it. We covered it a little bit. But I want to see Adebo not be a candidate for the draft this year. He's a guy that I hope returns to Stanford and stays, not because even I think he needs to. I just want to see another year of him in college football. He was a redshirt guy, so we only saw redshirt freshman season last year. One of the leaders in the nation in past breakups. So there you go, Anthony Oreo. We talked about him. Yeah, Connor definitely covered our, our bases. I'm I, done. I like yeah. Adebo. I think he's getting a little overhyped. I he had like, the production. I, yeah, I agree with that. Let's see if what he puts together this year. Yeah, exactly. Steve Noss, it feels like more teams than ever have their guy at quarterback for the next few years, with 2020 showing four and 2020 with at least 
Two, do you think the need for quarterbacks in the NFL could be in a way less demand than ever? So I don't, but this is something that the three of us talk a lot about behind closed doors, especially with like mock drafts. Team need, uh, you know, it's like supply versus demand. But here's the thing. There are going to be so many of these teams that we realize quickly that's not the guy. Think about mm-hmm. last year. One year ago, we would have said the Arizona Cardinals do not need a quarterback. They just drafted one. You probably would have said um, that the Carolina Panthers don't need a quarterback. They drafted one in the third round. So with 2020, I mean, we're already monitoring teams like Miami, Tampa Bay, Tennessee. What's going to happen with Tom Brady? What's going to happen with Big Ben? What's going to happen with Phillip Rivers? There are just so many moving pieces Injuries happen. Look at Alex Smith. Breaks his leg. Washington has to draft one in the first round. So we're constantly watching. There will be regression. There will be openings that we don't expect now. Yeah, and I agree with you, Matt. I think that there are going to be a lot of these quarterback positions open up because there are just so many aging quarterbacks and then injuries as well. And a lot of these guys that even were drafted in the third round or so, We've seen teams turn around and take a quarterback in round one the next year. They don't care. You got to go get your guy. So even these teams like the Panthers, if something happens to Cam Newton and they don't really see what they want this year, they could be in the market for a round one quarterback. The Bengals definitely are going to be. Uh, I think the Titans as well. I mean, there's a lot of good teams out there that are going to need a quarterback. And I think that this is a good time to have it because there are at least six, I think, in the next two years. And I understand where our guy Steve was going with this question because at face value, it seems like the problem is solved for this year. But man, I'll I'll tell you, in a year or two, it might be a drought again. And I do think some of the recent classes saved that. But I mean, Matt listed off a ton of them. The big one you got to remember is that group of Rivers, Big Ben. Drew Brees is not going to be here forever. Tom Brady's not going to be here forever. Maybe. I'm not we'll convinced of that one. I feel like I'm lying through my teeth when I say it. that. There's some weird dark horse ones. Like, what if Kirk Cousins isn't good this year? Like last year? They, yeah, I think that's a good they gotta think of, They got to think about it at yeah. some point. That's a big one for me. What if Daniel Jones isn't the quarterback of the future and Dave Gettleman gets fired? The Giants enter the picture again. There's a lot. What if Drew Locke sucks? It looks like he sucks. And I know it's one game, but we didn't like we didn't love him right. at Missouri. What if Lamar Jackson develop- doesn't take the next step? Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying Sam Darnold is going to be a superstar. I want to see it. I I hope it's true and all signs are great at a camp, but you got to see it. I think there was a time where we thought Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston were the future stars of this league. And it ain't even close. I'm old enough to remember when we thought the RG3 would be. Shit happens. You know, it that's really the slogan does. of the NFL. Yeah. Shit happens. Not for so, long because shit happens. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Tyler Fornes, what did you see out of Jacob Eason at Georgia in 2017 that gives you hope for his 2019 campaign? I talked about it just a second ago. I think it's all about tools with him, you know, and, and traits. So it's not it's not something we've seen on the field, at least not in a huge sample size, but it's that he has the traits that intrigue you. And he was a rare quarterback. You never see this happen anymore where he actually transferred and had to sit out a year. So he's already been working with that offense for a year. So I think he's going to hit the ground running too. And we won't have to wait on that. And he had a big, strong arm. He's like 6'6", 240. It all does come down to tools. I think we all expect him to be a very good draft prospect. And I'm very excited to see what he can do this year with Washington. They, they've got some talent up there that he can get the ball to. So uh, I think it does all come down to tools. He's what the NFL loves. Big bodied, big armed quarterback. They absolutely love that. He is 6'6", uh, thick, and just a rock 
rocket, rocket arm. This next one from Mr. Perfect Attendance himself, Pat Chamberlain. Number two part question here. I'll take number one. I'll let you guys read number two. First one, which Pac-12 coach is most likely to be the first one to move up to the NFL? Oh, I'm going to say Shaw? I'm going to say Cristobal out of Oregon. Yeah, I think, I, I think if they get this offense going and they definitely should because we've talked about him enough. He's a young guy that I think could make the move. He hasn't been at Oregon long. Uh, so I, I would say probably him. So I think Shaw and Peterson at, at Washington are the ones that could. Yeah, they just but they don't want they're to. They're so established. Right. Yeah. Like I know Shaw, Peterson does not at all. Yeah. I was yeah. actually going to say Cristobal cuz I don't think I think Whittingham's a college guy. Herm Edwards maybe. Fuck. <laughs> the oh god. I no. can remember when people were like <laughs> Kevin Sumlin should take an NFL head coaching job because he got Johnny Manziel to beat Alabama once. That shit ain't happening. <laughs> Mel Tucker would be a no. No, I no. don't think he's ready. I don't either. Yeah, it's probably Chris. It's going to take like an offensive-minded guy. You saw Kingsbury struggle for years at Texas Tech, and now he's a head coach in the NFL because everybody loves Sean McVay. We'll see if that tide turns. I have a question. If Cliff didn't look like Cliff, do we think he'd be a head coach? If he looked I know like it's an Mike Leach, question. he would be Mike Leach. <laughs> That's, That's what I... Okay. That's I my question. I agree with that completely. Like, how much does personal brand come into all yeah, this? I, I agree know it you. sounds absurd. No, dude. It's like guys who look like quarterbacks. I still know scouts who talk about that. Like, he has a quarterback's face. Yeah. It's he like that the CEO handsome factor. Young. Yeah. I yeah, like, I know what the fuck that means, but he looks good, so play good. <laughs> Like, I don't know. All right, second part of this question. What are your thoughts on KJ Costello as a draft prospect, and where does he fit next year's quarterback class? I think he is in arguably the third, top of the third tier, probably. Because I I think it's 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 Herbert from Tua. Costello looks like... Maybe he's in that second tier. I don't know. I watched some of his game kind of watching Walker Little a little bit. And I just, I don't know if it's there. He made a lot of mistakes. I don't know if he has the arm strength, but he's also, I mean, these are young kids. He's going to be a redshirt junior. He could develop. He could come out this year and have a crazy good arm. Uh, For me, I would put him maybe with a Felipe Franks type guy. Maybe Nate Stanley, but Ugh, I mean, no, but he, yeah, he could have another year to develop. <laughs> I did not love his motion, and I actually pulled up a clip because I can't remember off the top of my head. I he pats the ball, he's got that long motion, and he was thrown to JJ Arcega Whiteside, which could make anyone look pretty good. Mm-hmm. I need Truth. to see. I need to see a lot more. I tell you, I can't go on any further without mentioning his tight end though, Colby Parkinson. He's good. I think he's going to be very good, and they're definitely going to target him now that everybody else is gone. And then the uh, St. Brown brother that they have. At Stanford too. They've they've got some pretty good guys. Those weren't real like traditional starters that they had last year, but they returned. So maybe KJ Castillo can get them the ball. All right, Mason Whitlock. Last question: Outside of Oregon and Utah, which teams have a chance to win the Pac-12? Well, I mean, you guys said Stanford, and I said Washington. So I think those Mm -hmm. two teams have a legitimate chance. I don't think USC could surprise us. Washington State's going to be way down. UCLA is going to be just dog shit. So I could see UCLA surprising people just because it went yeah. so bad with Chip Kelly last year that maybe he's he's got it down now and he's back. Uh, he's got that good. Let me tell you, as a Niners fan, he's not. Yeah, I he, heard he that about so good Philly Oregon, too. Like, oh, he was so good with the Eagles. He made Nick Foles only throw four picks in the year. Let's come to San Francisco. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> I mean, it was just a shit show. It's not. It ain't gonna work. Not gonna happen. Yeah. Nick Saban gift. 
It ain't there. All right, boys, that is our show. Connor is on vacation, so you get Mello and I with an old school Stick to Football Friday. And within the next couple weeks, Stick to Football is transitioning to being not only audio, but we're going to be on video. So you can watch us. It'll be our app. You can watch us on YouTube. I have been starving myself all summer for this. (laughs) I'm ready. I feel like fucking Christian Bale, like trying to, you know, in the machinist, like... I, I don't look like that, but I feel like I've... I was laughing at the picture I saw you at the movers because it looked like half of you just disappeared this summer. <laughs> I haven't did. seen you since the draft, Dude, so I, I was dying laughing. I've been, I've been on that, gr- you know, the hashtag grind, hashtag gains. Hashtag single life. <laughs> hashtag single life, right? It's it's amazing when you don't drink yourself out of depression every night that you lose weight. It's, it's shocking. <laughs> what a concept. Right? It's amazing. It's just math. So, all right. That, that got weird. But that is our show. Connor's on vacation. Mello and I will be here uh, talking about the group of five. I'm very excited for this Can't show. Can't wait. Yeah, Mac all day. We'll talk to you guys Friday morning. 